Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Evan Herman. I am yours truly, the host of this show. And today we're going to talk about what it means to live a life of faith. And I'm not talking about just the belief of hoping for something to happen, but I'm talking about how do we live our faith, our beliefs, our values, our standards in our everyday life. Because I can tell you, sometimes I get really excited after a Sunday service, but then it feels like I live like hell the rest of the week. And then I'm waiting for that next Sunday service. So if you're like me, you're like, how do I live this sucker out in between Sundays? Well, today we're going to be talking about that. And I have my friend with me today who is a pastor in Pueblo, Colorado. And I am excited because he's been in ministry about as long as I've been alive. So he has some substantial wisdom and knowledge about how to live a life full of faith. So Joe Borrego, welcome to the show. Hopefully I didn't offend you by saying you've been in ministry as, as, almost as long as I've been alive. <laughs> not, not at all, not at all, not at all. Been so, doing this a long time. So you've been doing it a long time and, and yes. you're ready to share what God has given you. So I appreciate that. Joe, let me ask you, you've seen a lot of stuff in your life. And through this process of your own faith walk, I'm sure you've seen a lot of people turn away from a relationship with Jesus. What would you say are some of the danger signs of someone who is currently living a relationship with Christ, but there's a potential for them to turn their back because of these specific markers in their life. Evan, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on your podcast. And in reply to your, your question, um, you know, we live life by choice at some point in our, in your life, in my life, in any believer's life, they came to a place where there was an awakening and they became aware of Jesus in one form or fashion or another. Sometimes it's not a real big awareness. Sometimes it's dynamite has exploded. And um, initially, I think it's very easy for us to live a life in service to God. I do know that as time goes on, there could be a number of different factors that would cause uh, what we'll call the slow fade. Some people, they come, they get excited, but they have no depth, the Bible says, of, of root in themselves. And so when, you know, trouble comes their way, pressures, uh, somebody makes fun of them, they don't want to be ridiculed, they, they, push, they push, you know, their identity with Christ away. And... Uh, you know, that, that happens on, on many levels in many areas of life throughout the course of your life. I've been, I've been on this planet for 65 trips around the sun. And uh, yes, I was born at a time way before a lot of the people that are listening to you and this podcast have been. Um, 
and sometimes when people deal with older folks like me, they say, well, insignificant, you know. But what I've seen over the course of my life is um, there's too many similarities. And there are too many consistent cycles that come through in shaped in different forms and fashions, all aimed at moving a person off of their stance with their relationship with the Lord, their walk of faith, their boldness, and their commitment. We have those choices every day. And there's any number of different things that can alter that. Um, I could take up all your time just answering this one question. So right. I'll just say a couple of things here before I turn it back over to you. Faith is something that is always now, the Bible tells us. And faith is, is something that happens to us when we come to a place in our lives that we are persuaded by something. I'm persuaded of, by my name. I don't have to look at my birth certificate. I've been called this name all my life. If I changed my name and identified myself as such in that changed change name, for a while, people would question that. But ultimately, after a while, everybody calling me, instead of Joe, they called me Fred. Then that's who I would be. And I think that we live a life and we grow up and we start walking down a certain path. And then we meet, we meet Jesus and everything changes and we change. And people say, hey, that's not the same guy. That's not the same girl I knew back when. And you have to identify with your newness of life in Jesus. And uh, that's always a choice. Of course, you're going to be ridiculed at times. You're going to be made fun of. Um, people are going to offend you because of it. People are going to seek to take advantage of you because of it. A lot of times I don't identify myself initially as Pastor Joe with people I meet because right away in their mind, they've got a click that turns on and says something that they can use to manipulate, get their way, get something out of me, uh, pigeonhole me. I'd much rather live my life out and let people discover those items. And it, it does make it a little bit easier. That's really not, not identifying as Christian or identifying as pastor. I always want to identify as a Christian, but I always want to be able to, you know, work to keep doors open so that I can be there for somebody where God's influence can flow from me to them. And uh, boy, that takes wisdom and time and effort and, you know, after all this time, you know, you said I've been in the ministry as long as you've been alive. And, and really, Christianity is ministry. So once we, once we enter into Jesus, there's always something for us to do. God always desires something from us. And uh, so what we want to do is fulfill the calls the things that God wants from us, but always maintain our identity and our individuality of who we are so that we can be an individual to somebody, not an avenue to get something or an avenue to ridicule. 
It's it's always that placement where where we can start living that out. And they say, hey, there really is something different about that guy, that girl. And as what happened to my daughter early on in 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 high school, one girl come walking into the tough girl, a real rough girl, come walking into after gym class and said, who knows anything about God? Because I need to find out. I had a dream last night. And at that moment, you know, she had a choice to make. And fortunate for her, fortunate for this other girl, she went ahead and said, well, that's me. Let's talk. Uh, That's always confrontive. That's not always comfortable. But our Christian walk was never made really. I I do believe in blessed walking in, in goodness. But I also know that it's very uncomfortable for your flesh. So I'll, I'll leave that answer. I hope I answered that question for you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I would ask, I would ask you in, in your experience and in your time out here, um, how have you dealt with it? I think for me, you know, I've, golly, I've been a Christian as long as I can remember, probably from the age of three and I'm now 35. And awesome. from awesome. a young age, the one thing that has helped remain me steadfast is God's word. And when I stop spending time and I go through seasons of weariness and dryness and, and not, not so much to say I'm backsliding, but as it's just not as vibrant is when I'm not spending time with Jesus and his word. And I feel like a lot of that has came because I started treating it like a religious obligation and duty. And then I started dreading it because I didn't get what I wanted out of it. I wanted these awesome and brand new revelations every time I spent time in the word of God. And when I didn't get it, I got frustrated. And after being frustrated over and over and over again, I started retracting from spending time with him. And I realized that I should not expect a new or fresh or amazing insight every time I read the Bible. It happens occasionally, but I'm there to spend time with God. And the word is renewing my heart and mind daily. There's a study. Let me pull it up here. So there was a study that was done on reading the Bible. And those who read the Bible at least four times a week are less likely to engage in gambling, pornography, getting drunk, sex outside of marriage, less anxiety, less stress, have more peace, more patience in their life. And when you look at the statistic, the farther less, the the less that you read the Bible, the more you see those things creep up into someone's life. And so the Bible actually, in spending time in the Word, has a physical result on our mental and spiritual health and how we actually live our faith every day. And so for me, going back to that is, I would say I get more dreary the less I spend time in Scripture. I become more vibrant and healthy the more time I spend in Scripture. So then there becomes the situation like, okay, well, how do I find time? 
Well, you have to make time. With everything oh, yeah. that is important, yeah. you have to make time. Oh, yes. Totally agree with that. You know, time, time is the commodity. Time is that talent that is given. Time is that item that God gives us every day. Um, every day we wake up and there's a fresh 24 for us to spend. That is our commodity in a lot of respects. And how you spend that time determines what your harvest is. Um, you can waste it. You can waste it a bunch. You do need to spend some of it getting rest for your earth suit, your physical body. And you do need to have some downtime that you do other things. But along with that, you need to invest the time in your biblical studies. I like, uh, there was a guy, Larry Gordon, years ago, he wrote a book, uh, The Trinity Within the Body of Christ. And he spoke how in the body and with individuals, Christians, you know, on a daily basis, we're supposed to read our Bibles, pray, and worship. Maybe not in that order, but those three elements of Christianity are the items that we should be engaging in every day. That helps us to stay well-rounded. And then... When you're done investing the time, a certain amount of time, maybe equal time, then the item that you would want to do more of is what you're about. So some people, they're going to read, they're going to pray, they're going to worship God, and then they're going to come back and they're going to want to study more Bible, or they're going to want to pray more in the spirit, or they're going to want to worship God more. And so in the body of Christ, we have three types of people. And, um, you know, that's, that's something, these are items that we need to do. The, the, the question came to me early on as I studied the word and read the Bible. Um, it says, pray without ceasing. And I would think, how do you do that? You know, so I tried doing it for a period of time, you know, in the middle of my entire day, I tried to pray in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and uh, with, with my job, your mind is pulled away to do functions, to uh, problem solving. You have to put your efforts towards what you are getting paid to do, so to speak, uh, as a carpenter uh, working in, in, in construction, to do math, to read plans, to, to do things, to direct people if you're an administrator. Um, you know, I mean, so many different things. And it's very difficult at that point in time to just always, I mean, how are you going to pray in the Holy Ghost when you're doing those things? And so what, what I discovered was, is that prayer, prayer is just, it's just talking. It's just acknowledging. And, uh, you know, God's with us. Jesus is with us. The Holy Ghost is in us all day long. And uh, so I started just trying to recognize him. I would have questions about my life and things that were coming up, problems I was facing, whatever. And I would seek the Lord about those. I'd invest my time. And it seems like I never would get an answer then. The answers would come when I'm in the middle of my life out somewhere. God would interrupt me and say, oh, about your question, here's your answer. And I'm like, I can't even write this down. But the point was... And I think I got it after a while was 
It isn't, we, we need to do those items. Don't get me wrong. But too much of the time, we spend our time making that investment and we still walk away from it. Yeah. Recently, uh, the Lord brought something to my, uh, I was ministering and, and in my studies and about redeeming the time, buying back the time and walking in wisdom, so on and so forth in the book of uh, Ephesians. And then I think in Colossians, you, you know, you could study those out. And the idea was between uh, taking advantage of the time, one of the things was not to have any devi deviation. Don't deviate from what you need to be doing ever. And um, I think that the mindset has gotten instilled in us. And I think it started with the concept of separation of church and state. And so in our minds, okay, there's a place for God. There's a place for God in church. And there's a place for my life. And I've, I've lived life that way. I've watched people live life that way. And instead of maintaining, never deviating, never leaving off from your church experience all week long, somebody say, how you do that? By always acknowledging him, by always looking and seeking, seeking to find him and recognize him. And so more and more and more in my own personal life, I stopped doing that and I started inviting God into more parts of my life, into my daily routine. From the time I get up in the morning, when I go out to a job, when I'm driving somewhere, when I'm having breakfast. I sat here in my front room many years ago one night, all the kids older and off doing their own deal, you know? My wife working at nights, and I'm here all alone. And the mully grubs come over me. Woe am I. Here I sit all alone with nobody to have fellowship with, nobody to watch a TV show with, nobody's, nobody to enjoy anything with. And the Spirit of God spoke to me right in the middle of that. He said, well, I'm here. And I was like, you are? He said, I'll watch something with you on TV. And it was interesting, I began to invite God into my life in so many areas that I thought, I mean, you know God's with you, but I never thought to sit down and watch a basketball game on TV without, or a football game, you know, to do these kinds of things. Oh, we sing about it, we talk about it, but we don't do them. To start doing them, to make that choice. So <clears throat> one day I'm driving down the road and you know, traffic can be irritating. So I'm, you know, driving and I'm having, I'm by myself and I'm complaining about traffic and the way this guy's driving and that person. And uh, the Lord told me one day I'm driving home in the middle of it. He said, I want you to go home this way. And I said, sir? He said, yeah, follow my lead. And he gave me a direction to come home. And then he told me, he said, I want you to drive home that way from now on every time. And then he said this to me, because I'm tired of listening to your complaining. You shouldn't be complaining and you shouldn't be having these kinds of attitudes. I would, I would get angry. And the Lord told me, he said, the way you overcome that is you stop practicing that anger. 
So I stopped. And I, I you know, it, it, life is full of choices. The Lord spoke to me one day. He said, you Hold on, I, I want to go back to something that, that you, you hinted at that was really awesome. You're talking about how the Lord called you out on the carpet because of your attitude. Oh, yeah. I think so many times in our life, it's easy for us to get stuck in attitudes. And there's actually scientific yeah, research definitely. that says 95% of the thoughts that we have today are the same thoughts that we had the day before and the day before because we get stuck in these routines. So when we have negative thoughts, stinking thinking, bad attitudes that show up consistently, woe is me, my life is hard, doom and gloom, you know, there's nothing positive going on in my life or the world. How do we allow Christ into those to help us change our patterns? I'll go back to something I heard uh, Brother Hagen say a long, long time ago. <laughs> a very long time ago. He said, you got birds flying over your head all the time. He said, but you can certainly stop them from making a nest in your hair. In those days, I had a lot more hair than I do now. <laughs> and uh, he said, it's the same way with thoughts. Thoughts are always flying. And it says in 2 Corinthians there, chapter 10, that we're supposed to take every thought captive. You're the sheriff of your life. And when a thought comes that is not in line with what the word of God says or the way that you're supposed to be living, you need to take that thought and you need to put it in jail. Mm. And you need to not allow that thought to influence you. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verse 10. In the world, there are many voices and they're all significant. And, and in our society, um, oh, I'm sorry, what this is, we'll decline this. I had a phone call come up on my, I get a lot of a lot of calls all day long from, I think Google is always trying to locate me too as well. Some of those are location calls. I don't know if you ever get those. But um, the thoughts that come, we always have to take each and every one of them and take the time to, to, to validate them by the word of God. This is the importance of reading your Bible every day. This is the importance of praying every day. This is the importance of worshiping God every day so that you build within yourself a base of the word of God. When the thought comes, you say, oh, that just doesn't seem right because the Bible says this. And so you have to take those, but your flesh might say, well, I really like that thought though. I like being angry. I like living a life of anger. And um, so you have to take all of that influence from all those different voices that are out there. What Every movie you watch, there's a theme in the movie that is preaching to you their gospel um, in one way or another of, on, on all of the social items. Everything on television today is, is uh, a social engineering concept to get you to accept lifestyles that are contrary to the word of god and i'm not just talking about homosexuality in every area of life um, i have a lot of favorite tv shows but um you know on, on about any show you watch 
they're going to the bar and they're having a drink. So that's an influence. That's a that's a gospel being preached to you. There's nothing wrong with having a drink. And you asked me a question earlier, how is it that we slip away? Because it's always a slow fade. One beer leads to two, leads to three, leads to eight, leads to drinking whiskey, leads to drinking a quart, becoming a drunk. Eventually, I mean, we can go on and on. And that's in every aspect of life. That's where your anger is concerned. That's where your relationships are concerned. Every day, you're married, you have children. I've been married for 43 years. But some girl who comes along, and we're men, so we can talk about this. Some girl who comes along and she's nice to you. And the thought comes, oh, she thinks you're cute. Oh, she's cute. And, and you talk and you have things in common. You know, those things will start leading you away if you don't watch it. Yeah. You know, how many times have we seen pastors that have divorced their wives because and married somebody else? Because of any number of different reasons. And picking on men, you, that goes men and women, both. And more so in our society than, than in, in today, than in the times that I grew up. You never saw a man raising his children that was divorced back in my days. But you see them a lot now. Because the women are leaving them with the kids. And it's all about managing your thoughts. It's all about what you're allowing to influence you. It's all about the choices you make. It always comes back. I wake up, I, I've made this statement for decades. Marriage is a moment by moment choice. Marriage is a choice you make every morning at lunch, at dinner, at night. I choose to be married to that woman for myself. It's a choice I have to make every day. I've been married for 43 years. And some people would look at my initial marriage and say, well, you guys should have never gotten married. There's other people, oh, they're the golden couple. And those people divorce. And then somebody who says, look at, they'd look at you and they would say, well, you guys aren't really well suited to one another. But you know what? It's a choice you made. It's something you live by. We live by our choices. And adding Churches. to that is yeah. not, not only are we need to pay attention to the choices that we make, but recently I've learned anything that's important also needs to be calculated. Anything that matters needs to be watched, protected, and calculated. If you have a budget, pay attention to the budget. If that matters to you, if it doesn't matter to you, then you're not going to pay attention to it. You might feel oh, the pains of not paying That's attention it, right? to it with your marriage. What do you right? value? What do yeah. you value? What you value, you will you will maintain. You will keep an eye on. You will do. And and that's the problem, is that we come to a place and we devalue what has been priceless to us before. Those are all the things we got to work on all the time. Yeah, sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? It is. And, and here's the thing, I think it's too easy nowadays to get comfortable with not working. And I see that in my own life yeah, <laughs> easily because I think, I think society now has been easier now more than ever. I think of just 50, 60 years ago, Joe, did you have an outhouse growing up? 
No, I did not. Okay. Well, my dad did. Uh, but and... I will tell you, I will tell you that I've used one though before. <laughs> yeah, I have too. Yeah, plenty of times. No. But my dad would tell me how, you know, it would be wintertime. And if you needed to go to the bathroom in wintertime, you had to dress up. You had to go out and do your thing and then come back. And what I realized is there was a level of toughness, mental toughness that it took to do hard things. Life is hard and we try to make it easy. And when we make it too easy, easy on ourselves when life is hard it's easy to give up it's easy to not to push through it's easy to give up and trying to change to the next new thing you know cars nowadays microwaves dishwashers appliances they break we get a new one very rarely do we put the time energy and effort to fixing that which is wrong and in our life where areas that are wrong we need to change our thoughts, minds, and attitudes and actions and beliefs and habits to be able to create a life that is sustaining by effort. Evan, you grew up evidently and apparently to me with a good father figure. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He's good. Well... Well, you know, he showed you a lot. You know, we can all be critical of our fathers. Right. My I'm just kidding. Critical as well. um, you know, my father, though he was a great man and I became, he became my best friend later in life. But growing up, I didn't know the man. But his example instilled in me a lot of things of what to do and how to do. And uh, work ethic men from my father's generation you got to realize my dad was born in 1911 he was 47 years old when i was born he was a coal miner for 38 years underground he knew what hard work was he knew what trouble in life was and pressures and, and when i first got born again at 15 and a half i thought he was he was a a, a heathen going to hell and the Lord spoke to me one day and he said, Joe, you haven't been there. He said, you haven't been there. You weren't there in those hard times when he looked to me and said, Lord, help me. Doesn't that constitute salvation? Lord, help me. He's identifying Jesus as Lord within his religion that he had in those days, within the, the information that he had. And he cried out on God's help. And uh, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, later on in, my, in, in our life and in his life, there was more awakening that came to him. But it was in his latter years. He lived to be 90 years old. Oh. and uh, That's a long a time for a coal miner. Oh, yeah. A few weeks from his 91st birthday, um, he had broken his hip. And we got him moved back to the this, our, our hometown. And he was going into it a rehab and I'm down. I put him on the ambulance the day before, went down the next morning to see him. And he told me, he said, uh, Hey Joe, I've talked it over with my priest and your mama and it's okay for me to go home. And I told him, I said, dad, I said, when you go through the rehab, yeah, you'll go home. He looked at me, he said, no, he said, go home. And he pointed to heaven. 
He made the decision to leave this earth on his own That's accord. That's and what my I mom want. Did this, you know? And it's our right as Christians. It's our, it's our right as human beings to choose. Many times we choose inadvertently why our life is cut short. Otherwise, sometimes we're going along and we can just make the decision along the way. We've been taught how to live. We've never been taught how to die. And what we're talking about today, you and I, is how do we live? How do we live a life of Christendom effectively? And in today's world, and I think for generations, it's been a lot easier. Um, somebody would say, well, what do you mean it was easier back then? They didn't have the word. Yeah, yeah, but they understood there was a God and there was a devil and there was a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And they worked generally towards those ends. In today's world, a lot of people don't know if there is a God. A lot of people today are being raised, your generation and lower, they have no concept of God. How do we, how can we, how can you and I live a life that would show them the reality of God from heaven in our lives? Yeah, That's the real key. And uh, for, as a pastor, I've, I've been, I, the past 20 years, everything's changed. What we used to be able to do in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, you can't do anymore and have any results. It doesn't exist. And what, what it's like in Tulsa, Oklahoma versus Pueblo, Colorado, <laughs> this is a different world Yeah, that I'm living in. And I'm as different as I live in, what about the East Coast? I'll we tell live you. in so many different worlds today. Easily. So many different cultures. I know within my area, there is a lot of biblical understanding and faith, which I absolutely love. I will say this to do ministry in this area is also extremely difficult because oh, yeah. one, oh, yeah. there's a lot of Christians around. There's also a, a lot of non-Christians, but it's so oversaturated in our area that it's hard to even show up because uh, there's so many voices. And so that's why we need to be the light. We need to be the example because there's so many competing voices. It's easier for people to see the difference than to hear all the competing voices. In our, in our uh, world of social media and internet, uh, not really even television, uh, those voices like it is for you in Tulsa, that's everywhere. Um, well, I, I'm able to watch uh, uh, this church, my favorite church, and that's where I go. That's my church now. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, I, I think it's wonderful that we can receive great messages from great men and women of God. I enjoy it thoroughly. But my other point is, though those people are feeding into all of us, you still need somewhere where you can get an actual physical hand to help you through. Yeah. And in the down, downturns of my life and the troubles I faced, there was nothing like having my pastor being able to come and pray for me. 
he just interrupted us a little bit ago with the phone call when I get off here in a few minutes. I'm going to return his call because he's been my pastor for 40 years. Hmm. And uh, I think it, we, we don't value longevity today. And, and I believe we should. And I think we should work towards longevity. And I think we should work towards and continue and maintain the call that's on our lives, though we may be small pickings to everybody. But still, there is an effect always for every person to have and to make. We've discussed this previously. In this world, through social media and otherwise, and uh, so, I, how how are you going to live a Christian life? You you got to choose it every moment of every day. You got to walk it. You got to choose to. And and actually, you made a statement earlier. You said it's hard. Um, it's hard on your flesh. Mm. Jesus said, unless you're picking up your cross every day and following me. You're not, you're not of mine. And, and that's what we got to be doing. Um, we, we've got to crucify our flesh every day. We've got to put our flesh in its place. And uh, let the spirit have the ascendancy. And the more that we do that, quite frankly, the easier that Christian walk becomes. The more that you train your flesh to do what you tell it to do versus what it wants to do the easier your Christian walk becomes. Yes, there's always hardship and, and troubles that come your way. There's always yeah. pressures, you know, but you've got to learn to always choose the word, prayer, and worship. You start out with worship, and all of a sudden God gets real big, big in, in the picture. And everything else just kind of adjusts in its place. And by the time you're done, um, it should be over you know, for you, but, uh, you know, the choice that you'll make anyway, mm. it's been real good talking with you. Brother. Likewise, Joe, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. And for those of you that have made it this far in the episode, I just want to encourage you to trust that regardless of what's going on in your life, that God is present in the midst of your circumstances and that you can call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved if you have not yet experienced salvation. And in this process of what we're talking about is also practicing the presence of God in our life, watching football, driving in the car, recognizing that God is present at all times with us. And we can have a conversation with him and you can have a conversation with him today. And he wants to have that conversation Joe, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Take care. And Thanks we'll talk for having to you me. Soon. Okay. Bye-bye.